Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the unofficial Eurovision betting podcast. I'm Patrick Flynn, self-proclaimed Eurovision betting expert and all-around Eurovision superfan. On this episode, I'm going to be joined by the formidable Rob Ferber of EntertainmentOdds.com, who, I hope you won't mind me saying, has been in the game a lot longer than I have, and is one of the leading experts on TV and specials betting in the UK. In future episodes, we will be joined by Dan Hughes, creator of Telestats, but for today, it's just me and Rob. It's a busy week in Eurovision land, so today we'll be covering a range of topics, including the current crop of entries that have been selected, the national finals in Spain, Norway and Ireland, and the beginning of Sweden's Melody Festivalen on Saturday, before a look at who we see as the winners and losers from the semi-final allocation draw on Tuesday. Rob, just as an icebreaker, I thought we could have a, a look down memory lane and ask what's your favourite or best Eurovision betting memory? Yeah, I've been giving this some thought, Patrick, and I've got quite a few. I'll sort of try and run through them quite swiftly. I think my my first year of seriously analysing Eurovision was 2010. So I have fond memories of that because I, I managed to back uh Leonard's satellite for Germany early on uh, I think 16 to 1 so really that kind of turned me on to the whole Eurovision trading and it was a similar story in 2011 with um Azerbaijan I, w- I was very keen on on running scared and I managed to back Azerbaijan sort of 20 to 1 I think initially that's probably the weakest Eurovision win we've had for the best part of 15 years but i think from a betting perspective that looked like i remember even even myself when i was below betting age looking at the looking at the betting odds for that in 2011 and i was like oh that if i if i was betting i'd, I'd probably be backing that about like 14 16 um, absolutely yeah it, it all fell into place perfectly um i remember that was when they did the the running order draw and you know the, the artists would draw um the specific number for the, for the running order and there was, I think it was uh, Eric Saad for, for Sweden uh, with Popular. And he was right at the end. And there were loads of high draws left. And it looked like Advantage Sweden. And then he pulled out a single-figure draw. Ooh. And as an Azerbaijan backer, I was just absolutely delighted with that. Then 2014, I have extremely fond memories of the Common Linnets. Obviously, it didn't win. But I just remember being in the press centre for first rehearsal you know, back in those heady days when we were able to watch first rehearsals in the press centre. Yep. Um, and, you know, it was just mesmerising. And, you know, it ended up obviously the, the ultimate close, but no cigar beaten by yep. Conchita. Um, but there was the consolation of it winning the semi-final at very big odds. Um, and I, I made, you know, I made a lot of money on it. That um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in there because that's, that's actually my my number one Eurovision betting memory. I was just too young for betting, but I did. I asked my older brother to put a bet on uh, Netherlands to win the semi final at sixty six to one. That was a good a good bet for me. And this was back in the days when they used to publish the like the entire first rehearsal on YouTube. So you got you didn't get the staging view, but you got like the whole three minute performance. And it was just obvious then, looking at that rehearsal, it was just it was just pretty clear that that was going to take the take the win in the semi. And at sixty six to one, it was a. A very good, a very good bet. I'm not sure we'd ever get anything as uh, as generous as that anymore. Sadly, not. No, but yeah, it was incredible. That was, that was really good. Um, 
2016 was was very memorable for the amazing live in running trading experience during the grand final um and for me it was a joy that jamala won for ukraine because i, I think i'd probably won maybe four times more on ukraine than i would have done if damien had won um and it was just crazy because we had no precedent you know that was the first time they did the points reveal like that and i think australia dropped below 1.2 i think after the after topping the jury points reveal yeah and then of course ukraine overhauled it on the televote and that was that was joyous yeah i'd say top of the pile in terms of bragging rights um would be 2017 portugal um after clocking Salvador Sobral during the Portuguese qualifiers um, and then getting matched, you know, over 100 on Betfair initially. And Christian Kostov came along with Beautiful Mess, if you recall. And then Bulgaria were going all out for the win. Dubious grand final running order draw and all, I would say. Oh, interesting. What, what, and, what happened? Um, I don't remember that. Well... They called Bulgaria the first qualifier in semi two, and I actually predicted this happen. Mm. So Christian Kostov was first to select out of the perspex bowl when they all line up in the press center. And well, you know, it's a great conspiracy theory, I suppose, but I'm convinced that they need they needed Bulgaria in the second half because. Again, they had a lot of big hitters in the first half. It was a real issue for the EBU. Um, I'm not sure what went on, but surprise, surprise, Kostov pulled out a second half draw. So yeah, it was it was just it was a delight to see you know Portugal, the kind of the the ultimate underdog and underachieving Eurovision nation win, um, and you know and and defeat um, defeat Bulgaria. Um, and I, I think it was a very worthy winner, and, and probably my favourite winner since I've been trading Eurovision seriously. That's a that's a, a very good whistle stop tour there of the last ten fifteen years of, of Eurovision betting. But I'm, I'm sure we'll get get more into comparisons as we as we go through the podcast. Um, I just thought we could start the podcast proper by looking at some of the entries that have been selected already. So we have three that have actually been like released. So we'll start with Albania. So we've got Albina and Familia Kelmendi with Duya. Hope I haven't butchered that too much. Um, do you, Do you have any any thoughts on any thoughts on this one? Um, I often quite like Albanian entries and, and see a bit of potential. Not so much with this one. I think it's it's drawn in the second half of semi two, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. That's that's a small positive. I, and I was looking back on Albania's televoting positions over the years because obviously we've got to get into this televoting only mindset for the semis yep. and it invariably ends up on the borderline between 8th and 12th so it's probably going to be somewhere in that region again yeah I, I was thinking that as well I think I mean it's kind of hard to judge some of these Albanian entries because they tend to get revamped they tend to have a, a Eurovision version and obviously the the Albanian national selection being performed with a a live orchestra is going to be very different from what it actually ends up at Eurovision. Um, and there's also a question of whether Albina will have her somewhat awkward-looking family behind her uh, at Eurovision because they, they they don't they don't look like you know seasoned performers. And I'm not sure how that how that would go down. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Like second half of the, of the semi-final, I think could squeeze through on a, on a good day. But again, you'd be looking at another result in the in the twenties, probably in the final. 
probably a, what's become a standard Albanian result at Eurovision over the last few years. Perhaps a more interesting one from a betting perspective is is Belgium, Gustav, with Because of You, which was a big, big upset in the Belgian national final. And I know you've got you've got thoughts on this one. Yeah, well, I mean, I was staggered that it was able to win Belgium's Euro song. I think it was a real shame because, you know, they went to the effort of putting on a national final for the first time in, well, is it the first, certainly the first I can remember in Belgium since I've been following Eurovision. This ended up winning and they had a very, very good entry slip through their hands. This is the real sickener for me. Uh, Gala Drago with uh, Tanqueret. I mean, I would have been really interested in that, doing well at Eurovision. Um, I thought she was spellbinding. Uh, incredible music artist, only 17. Yeah, I think, you know, I would have been rating that a potential top five. Yeah. I think the market might have overlooked it a little bit as well. It would have been a, a, an interesting, better proposition. Um, and then you look at it now, where's Belgium drawn? It's uh, first half, first half of semi semi two. two. I mean, I'd say good staff is up against it to qualify already. Um, yeah, I'm kind of with you as well. I, I watched the I watched your song. Go, going into it, Shireen's uh, entry was was my favorite, and I, I thought that that could have been potentially top ten with the right staging. But the staging that they picked for that that Euro song was really poor. There's just none of it worked. They needed it to come across, you know, '80s inspired, but instead it ended up looking like just a bit too childlike. It looked it looked too junior Eurovision, and that that just wasn't going to win. And you know, it was give it was drawn second in the in the Eurosong final. And as we know, like running order has a massive impact on on televoters in general. But I think another example in my crusade against domestic televoters in uh in national finals. But I'm sure we'll get into that more. But yeah, just just the song. Like I went to see Erasure a couple of years back. I mean, in case the audience wasn't sure of my sexual orientation. I went to see Erasure a couple of years back and they like featured two of their backing singers quite prominently. And that's kind of what this reminds me of, like maybe like an Erasure or Boy George single released like 30 years after their prime that they might play on like Radio 2. And I think they need the kind of middle-aged women between 45 and 60 Western Europe demographic to get it through. And I think that's kind of the key here, like the Western Europe thing is the key because I can't see this getting many points if any, from from parts of Eastern Europe. Like the musical style just feels very Western. And I think it would have had potentially a real shot of qualifying with a with a second half draw. Cause I think it would have been possible that the producers might have made it the closer of the semi-final to maybe try and get it get it over the line. But I think, yeah, the the countries that are voting in, in Belgium's semi-final. In terms of Western Europe, we've got Denmark, Iceland, Australia, Austria, UK. So it's not not amazing when you compare that to to semi one. You've got, you know, you've got Ireland, Malta, Norway, Portugal, Netherlands, Sweden, Switzerland, maybe Israel at a push. Israel tends to vote relatively similarly to to parts of Western Europe, and that that's like excluding France and Germany. So you've got more of those those kind of Western and Northern European countries in the first semi final, and Belgium's got a first half draw in the second semi final. Those are all negatives. The second semi-final probably being the weaker, the weaker of the two, I guess, is is the one positive there. But I think, yeah, as you say, Gustav's going to be heavily up against it, and I probably wouldn't be backing this as a qualifier right now. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just it's not good enough. And to me, I was like, 
Jamiroquai after he's had a nervous breakdown, you know, <laughs> not, not good. Yeah. I don't, but yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think it's a bit of fun. I think, I think he sells it well. And I think that that's what kind of took him over the line in the, in the national final. But I think it's very particular taste for people who, you know, like late eighties, early nineties music. Um, like the, the, there's this song by Martha Walsh called Carry On. I'm not sure if you've heard it, but like this is basically a, a direct ripoff of, of that song. That's like a, a early 90s house song. So, I mean, for, for fans of that that kind of music, which I kind of am, you know, it's not bad. It's not bad. But I think for a, a kind of wider appeal that's needed to to take it through the semi-final, I'm not entirely convinced um, at this stage. Let's go on to song number three. And what's currently the, the market favorite is Ukraine. Um, and that's Torchy with with Heart of Steel. This this is again another another entry that upset the odds somewhat in their uh, in their national final. What do you think? Do you think Ukraine could pull off a, a double win? Well, again, it's all about events outside of Eurovision, isn't it? Dictating on uh, you know how how Ukraine gets on again this year. Um, it's a nightmare for traders, really. I mean, you know, obviously it spoiled Eurovision last year. And there's just no knowing, you know, what Putin's going to do next. And, you know, I'm reading news stories about potential major new Russian offensive. You know, things could escalate again in the coming months. So, you know, we've got to keep a close eye on that. It sort of almost doesn't matter about the song. I mean, I suppose it does in a way. I mean, you can say that when you look at Kalush Orchestra, last year it had some kind of authenticity working for it whereas this doesn't have any real national identity that i that i can sort of see there um so that's a negative i think it's it's like a weekend reject i mean it shouldn't be coming anywhere near winning in normal circumstances you know like i say it's all about what happens in the war between now and and may yeah, to, to be fair, I think it, there is like an interesting kind of point to be made about, about the kind of national identity with this one, because like, as you say, it's got like a weekend labyrinth kind of kind of feel to it. And in an interesting way, like kind of Ukraine's more allyship with, with Western European countries kind of makes it a little bit more of a, you know, a national identity for where, where they're kind of headed. But yeah, as you say, like we've got things outside of the music, outside of the contest to contend with. And I think kind of what we're having to study, you know, geopolitics and and also probably human psychology as well, because if this was if this was a year ago and Ukraine hadn't won last year, we'd be thinking very differently about, oh, will will the public go for this? But even if the, you know, the, the war situation continues as it is, what do we think about the human psychology? Like, will people pick up their phones and vote for Ukraine again? Will they do it twice in a row? I think actually in a normal year, I'm probably going to go against what, what quite a lot of people have been saying. I think in a normal year, I think this could get jury top 10. This seems very a very jury-friendly entry, very radio-friendly. But I think, in again, in a normal year, I think this would do worse in the televote than it does with the jury. Again, it's hard to assess because we don't know what the, what the extent of, of support will be for, for Ukraine again this year. I mean, also, you know, with the... Uh allocation draw that we saw on Tuesday evening you know the BBC it's you know I wrote about this on the website it's not going to shy away from shining a light on on the on the war you know and there's that to consider as well um 
Yeah, I mean, Tvorshi as well. He, if you recall, the first time he turned up in Ukraine, he was terrible live. He was so bad. Um, but they did a pretty good job with this. Um, again, it's all this sort of backing vocal assistance or whatever's going on. But, you know, I would have identified Tvorshi, a massive red flag in terms of live vocal, but seems like he can get away with it with, with this song. Um, yeah, you know, it probably... I don't think Ukraine will, will win again. A famous last words. Um, <laughs> let's see what happens in the war, but probably top 10. Yeah, yeah. I think that seems reasonable. I reckon around, you know, fifth, maybe sixth. That That's kind of my my base estimation right now. But uh, I, I'd been I'd been laying Kalush Orchestra last year, so I don't want to, you know, make any hard predictions because I'm not, I'm not making that mistake again. No, no, well, ditto. Ditto, yeah. Patrick, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's the three entries that have been selected. Now we can have a look a look forward to the multiple national finals that we've got over this weekend. So I think maybe we could start start with Spain. So the second semi-final of Benidorm Fest concluded last night, and it was Blanca Paloma that recorded a very, very high score indeed and, and took the win. So we've had kind of two landslide wins in, in the two semifinals. So for Black Plummer last night and Agane on Tuesday in the first semifinal. So I think we're looking just at a direct head-to-head between those two with with nobody else getting a look in. Do you, do you have any opinions on which way it might go? Well, I just caught up with uh, Blanca Paloma this morning and it was interesting to me that, you know, Spain has been back down again to about 25 on the outright. I, I just don't see it with that song at all. I think maybe the fans are getting carried away again. Um, when, when's that ever happened, Rob? <laughs> that never happens. Yeah, it happens quite a lot with Spain. Um, just a, a tuneless scream fest for me. Um, I don't think it will travel well around Europe. Um, but then you've got this one from the first semi-final, um, Agony. I've used this pun already, but it was Agony for my ears. Um, so... I mean, if it's a choice between the two, it's the sort of lesser of two evils, really. I don't see either of them doing very well at Eurovision. I think I can just put it as succinctly as that. That's quite interesting, actually. Yeah, I, I think Blanca Paloma's entry, I personally, I like I like the entry. I think the staging was really, really strong. I think it was definitely the best staging concept of the, of the two semifinals. Vocally, again, very strong, but as a better and from a predictive perspective you've got to assess your own tastes in the context of of other people's as well you've got to just like set those aside and i mean i've seen people comparing it to go in terms of a kind of regional entry that could potentially do well but when you look at like go entry it had a real element of fun which helped it travel very very well among audiences that perhaps wouldn't usually go for that musical style this has no fun element it's just it's a very arty entry and like i I saw people saying oh my god this could win eurovision it's never going to happen it's never going to happen and this this causing spain's odds to shorten i find absolutely astonishing i think from the overall eurovision perspective i think agony's entry is much much better i kind of of disagree with you somewhat because i think this potentially with the right staging could get a top 10 could get a top 10 finish I think the staging in the semi-final had potential, but I, d- I don't think it was fully there. I think it needed a lot more pyro and a lot more, I guess, dramatic camera cuts because the kind of dance breaks that they did in the chorus looked a little bit clunky. And I think if Agony is not a you know seasoned dancer, 
you want to be hiding that as much as possible. But yeah, I, I'm in terms of who's going to win, I'm kind of struggling to call it. I'll be waiting for today's streaming numbers, which will be coming out coming out tomorrow to see if there has been a massive boost for Blanca Paloma. And we also have the running order today, which interestingly, I think, is being decided by a draw rather than by producers. So I think, you know, if one of these gets drawn in the first three and the other gets drawn in the final three, we'll we'll know who the favorite ought to be. But right now, I can't really call it. I'd maybe, at a push, say advantage Agane just because he had a, a tougher semi-final. But again, what, what works for Eurovision and what domestic audiences are going to go for is kind of a different question because we've seen time and time again that domestic audiences are just not interested in achieving the best result for Eurovision. They're just going to vote what songs they like. And I think I think Spain's actually done a good thing in trying to limit the kind of limit the reach of of those audiences and basically jigging the format a bit. So it, it on the surface looks like a 50-50 result, but in, in reality, the jurors are getting significantly more more power over, over the result. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. And that's that's tomorrow. Right, so next we can go on to Ireland, the Eurosong national final, which appears on an enormous stage of a, a late night talk show. I haven't, been, I haven't been following this in, in great detail, to be honest. So I'm hoping you can, you can take us through it, Rob. I'm interested in Ireland this year, mainly because of this Connolly track, uh, Midnight Summer Night. Um, she's very much an unknown, inexperienced. We just don't know what she's going to bring live. But the track in studio form, I think is decent. Um, we've only heard a demo as well. So I'm presuming we get to hear the end product tonight for the first time. It's very Lana Del Rey. I think she's drawn She's drawn in four, four of six. Um, there has been a lot of money for Connolly um, to win this national final. Uh, I don't know if people have seen the rehearsal footage. There's nothing that I've seen on any of the forums that's leaked. The RTE studio for the Late Late Show, or whatever it's called, is not traditionally a good place uh, to perform a Eurovision song. I don't think anything has ever really shone there. It's just going to be a wait and see tonight for what Connolly can can bring. But that's the one for me that I think has the most potential to do something at Eurovision among this field. Her main danger, I think, is wild youth. They're drawn in five. They've got this track called We Are One. Um for me, it's sort of, I describe it as blandly anthemic. I gather they've got quite a high profile. So a lot of people are predicting Wild Youth to, to win this national final. Um, it does look likely Connolly versus Wild Youth going into it. Um, but I'd be less keen on Ireland's chances if, if they do select Wild Youth. Um, and then I just want to see John Lydon perform because uh, he's he's taking part for uh, Public Image Limited with this track, Hawaii. I suppose, you know, he's got a fan base, might do quite well. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing this final tonight. I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you on the on the Connolly song. I think that is the strongest. And I think you can kind of, you can tell that this is, that what was released is, you know, a demo version. I think they need to do something in the chorus to stop it being so repetitive because it just repeats the same line over and over again. I think if they're in the final in the final format, I hope 
for her sake, but they have made some modifications to the, I guess, the lyrical content on perhaps the melody in, in parts of the chorus to make it a bit more refreshing, a bit more interesting. But yeah, that, that's that's going to be an interesting one. So yeah, tomorrow we also have another national final in Norway with the Melody Grand Prix. Currently, based on based on the betting odds, this looks like probably a four-way race with two kind of major contenders and then two outsiders. Current best prices, uh, Ulrika is is the favorite. She's best priced at one point eight nine, so just over a fifty percent chance. Alessandra Mele is in second. She's 2.42 best price. And then we've got two more outsiders. So we've got Atle Pettersson, who is eight, and Jona, who is also eight. Rob, do you have any have you been following this? And do you have any any opinions on the songs or who might win or who's the best choice for, for Eurovision? Um, I have been following it. You know, you're just always keeping a close eye to see if Norway have got anything up their sleeve this year. Um, I've not really seen anything to set the pulse racing. Um, I'm guessing Ulrika will win. Her song, it's it's a it's a shouty dirge, really. It's the best way to describe it, I think. Um, you know, they try and try and ramp it up, don't they, in the last minute and 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 give it the big big climax, but I don't think it would do very well at Eurovision at all. Her main rivals, I mean, that Ale- Alessandra Mele, she's got the pimp slot, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. So um, she's, she's in, in ninth. And that's second favourite, did you say? Yeah. I don't think it's very good. She is actually vocally very, very shaky live. Wasn't impressed with that performance at all. And the song is just, it's just, it's very Norway, isn't it? It's just like incidental music for some kind of medieval tv drama yeah it reminds me of sort of game of thrones or there was that other show wasn't there vikings yeah i mean maybe she's favored was was that uh was that a random draw was that a producer's draw i think it must have been a producer's draw because the two kind of i mean maybe it's just coincidence but the two songs that are absolutely dominating in the streaming in the streaming walls in norway are like first and last, so I, I mean, that must be a producer, a producer-driven draw. I, I have been backing Alessandra Mele actually. I think Ulrika is a pretty vulnerable favourite. I think potentially is being inflated somewhat by her own, you know, her own reputation among among Eurovision fans. I think looking at looking at the streaming numbers, it's it's clear that it's it's Yona in in first and and Alessandra in in last that are absolutely dominant on on the Spotify charts. I know that Alessandra song's gone semi-viral on TikTok, but even in even in Norway, they're, they're both doing very, very well. They're both in the in the top five on Spotify streams. Like I, I've got an article out today on this, but I, like I would not be surprised if if those two songs end up taking fifty percent of the televote between them. And I think Ulrika is probably going to be in third with the televote, so she's going to have a deficit there. And I guess the question is, will she, you know, will she overcome that deficit with with the jury? I mean, I, th- I think it's interesting because I think obviously you'd probably make Ulrika the favorite to win the jury vote, but I think that that Atla Pettersson entry to me seems more like the kind of thing that juries go for. Yeah, I mean, it's very very similar to to Sweden's entry from a few years ago with with John Lundvik, but again, that did very very well with the jury at, at Eurovision. 
So I think you might get potentially a close result at the top of the jury vote. NRK, the Norwegian broadcaster, haven't been very clear about how those points are going to be distributed, but I think it's probably reasonable to assume that the juries will be allocating points on on a similar scale to Eurovision, whereas the televote will probably be proportional um, according to the percentage of the vote received. So I think, to me, that probably weights the televote in practice slightly heavier. Um, mm. Looking back at the old Melody Festival and results when they used to have proportional televote results, if, if you get 25% of the, of the televote, it's basically the equivalent of getting 12 from all the jurors. So that's like a very, very high score. And I think that's easily doable for a, for a televote winner to get 25%. Well, I thought there was some kind of sentimental element working for Ulrika as well. Like, you know, she missed out, didn't she, on the, yeah. the Eurovision that wasn't? Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'm presuming that that's going to help her. I mean, Jonna's track, the, the opener tomorrow night, I, I, th- I think that's marginally stronger than the the track that closes, but really, again, only something you'd hear at um, Melody Grand Prix. I, I just don't see it traveling very well. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I mean, I could probably see them both doing all right with the televote. Um, I think the kind of, the Alessandro track's got a bit more of a novelty element if they, you know, amp up the medieval, like, warrior staging kind of in a similar way to to Denmark did with Rasmussen in 2018 because that did very very well in the televote like quite surprisingly Um, if you've got you've got that novelty element but in terms of potential jury support that's probably not going to get get very much this song is very very similar to that run to the hills entry that was in Melody Festival and in Sweden last year and that didn't do particularly well with the jury in in their in their national final um I think vocally, this is probably a little bit more, I'll say performance-wise, this is more assured, more confident. So I think she could probably pick up some more points. And I think there's probably enough enough weak entries in in this final to potentially push her a little bit up the, up the jury scores. I think what we're probably going to get is the juries are going to vote first. I think if, if Alessandra gets top four with the jury and Ulrika doesn't run away with it with the jury... I would probably make it advantage Alessandra. But if she ends up performing poorly or Ulrika gets a very high jury score, I think I think Ulrika will probably end up taking it. But I, I don't see Ulrika winning the televote tomorrow. And I think from a Eurovision perspective, I was just thinking like this feels like the kind of entry that finishes 11th in the televote and finishes third with the jury and ends up getting through or on the strength of the jury vote, but in a, in a 100% televote final, I'm not entirely convinced this is going to get through. Is, is Norway in semi one or semi two? Do we know? It's in semi one, isn't it? First half of, of semi one. Oh, right. Okay. That, that is tough then, isn't it? Because that's that semi one, especially in the second in the second half, is very looking like it's going to be very strong. I get the televote argument with, with yeah. these, these potential Norwegian entries, you know, if you're talking Jonna or Alessandra yeah. Mele, but. They are jury poison. When you when you're looking long long term, you know, grand final, they're up against it if you know, if, yeah. if one of those yeah. ends up winning. But well Ulrika's up against it as well. She I can't yeah. see her doing very much. Could could be interesting, could be could end up being a close one. Right, lastly, on the national finals, we've got the beginning of Melody Festival in tomorrow. So it's just the first semi final and so far we've had the the one minute snippets of the studio version and then we've had 
the 30 second rehearsal clips which have just been released very early this morning but this is another reason why it's so so important not to get overly influenced by the hype from from eurovision media because i saw people yesterday claiming that that john henrik fjellgren entry which closes the semi-final was a potential eurovision winner and looking at that rehearsal clip honestly i'm not sure it would even make it out of the semi-final you look at this kind of edm music does not do well at eurovision at all you had darude for finland i think that came something like 17th out of 18 and then you had that that polish entry light me up was it called and that did terribly as well I don't see that as a as a Eurovision winner or even or a Melody Festival winner. I think it'd be a very bad choice if if Sweden went ahead with that. Obviously, we've only we've only had a minute of the actual entry, but that does not look particularly strong to me. Have you had a, had a listen to the songs? And is there anyone you've been you've been backing to qualify? I have Patrick. Um, exact same reaction as you. Um, I was most interested to hear the John Henrik Fjallgren, um track, and. Yeah, I was unimpressed. Um, I mean, I was pretty unmoved hearing all the all the snippets of, of all the Heat One songs there. Yeah, you know, it could it could sort of come across a bit better when we see you know the full three minutes and, and the live presentation. Um, but you know, the the, the yoiking it's it's just an acquired taste. I mean, it's just always gonna hold it back outside of Melody Festival. And if you're talking about you know, Fjallgren potentially going to to Eurovision in Liverpool. For me, this year, Melody Festival and all revolves around Lorene. You know, if Sweden's going to justify its current price of around eight, I mean, I've got huge respect for her. Obviously, you know, Euphoria was incredible. Um, that in itself makes it a little tricky for Lorene, I think, because it's a lot to live up to. I suppose there's always the chance of, a you know, an unexpected Cornelia Jacobs-type entry turning up somewhere along the way um but i'm i'm really sort of just just holding out for lorraine in the in the last heat and, and seeing what she brings with this track tattoo yeah i'm in a similar in a similar boat like uh, we discussed this off air a couple of days ago but i think if the fact that they were able to convince lorraine to come back to me suggests that this song is is pretty strong um and it's definitely going to be a contender because i think after after what happened with statements in in 2016 or 17, whenever that was, which I mean personally, I really really liked that entry, but it obviously ended up not even making the final. After after what happened with, with that, I don't think she'd be coming back to Melody Festival unless she had a a really good entry. I think just I just want to get this on record just so I can have bragging rights if it happens. Just pulling out a total random outsider, Melanie, Melanie Weber or Weber. I'm not sure how that how that surname is pronounced. But I had to listen to one of her songs actually, and I think she seems like a, she's got a good voice. And I kind of like the melody of one one of her songs. She's in semi final three, which, based on the contenders in that semi final, looks probably like the weakest. I mean, she's it. She's performing third, so that's not particularly good. But I mean, she's available at a best price twenty eight. Is that a is that a bad bet? I don't think so. I think that's maybe worth a worth an outside punt. Um, I, th- I think she's usually been a songwriter, and I think this is her first foray into, you know, being the being the main performer. But I'll be interested to see what what she brings. I'm, I'm picking her as my my outside pick off the basis of nothing but nothing but vibes. So Tuesday saw the semi final allocation draw, in which we found out 
which entries will be performing in which semi-final and in which half as well. And we also found out which of the big five and Ukraine would be voting in each semi-final. From the kind of general consensus, it seems like semi-final one is going to be the much stronger, much stronger semi-final, um, especially looking at that second half. We've got Czech Republic, who are potentially going to send that uh, Vesna entry. That's that's a strong entry. We've got Finland, all all signs are pointing to Cha Cha Cha. That has do- has gone down pretty well with with Eurofans. We've got Israel, Noah Karel, who's a very big very big pop star in Israel. I imagine they're going to have a very very strong entry. We've got the Netherlands. We've got Mia Nikolai and Dion Cooper, and I think that that song is going to be written by by Duncan Lawrence. We've got Sweden. That's already we've got five potentially very very strong entries in that second half of the of the first semi final, and then looking earlier on we've got Serbia who usually does very very well with the televotes, and then we've got who else have we got in the second half? We've got Azerbaijan. Maybe they'll be they'll be hindered somewhat by the the removal of the of the jurors with some uh, interesting scores that they had they had last year. Um, we've got Moldova tends to do very well with the televote as well. And we've got Switzerland, so I think for the you know for the songs that are going to be in the first half of that semi final, it's there's quite a few of those that don't have a huge amount of historic televoting success. You've got you've got Portugal, you've got Malta, you've got Latvia, you've got Ireland. I think they could end up end up struggling. Do you have, do you have any thoughts on on semi final one? I think you summed up very well, Patrick. Um, yeah, semi one is looking much the stronger. Um, obviously, you know, it's a very, very early stage. Um, only the 15 nations in the first semi compared to 16 in the second semi. So in theory, uh, a little easier to qualify from. But yeah, I mean, it's looking it's looking stacked, isn't it? That second half in particular. Yeah. Um, you do fear for sort of Croatia there, you know, drawn in the first half, um, not qualified the last four times um looks up against it already um and you know it's televote only now isn't it so second half draw is just going to be such a handy leg up the running order now is going to have a huge huge impact because in terms of like juries don't tend to be affected by by the running order so in terms of televote it's going to be very very interesting like i haven't looked at the stats but i can't i wonder what the qualification rate would be in a, in a televote only semi-final for, for the song that ends up in second for example that's considered usually the, the worst the worst slot to get i think it'd be very very low and again performing last in a semi-finals probably gives you upwards of probably 90 percent qualification chance looking over to the second semi-final that's probably looks like the weaker one yeah we look at we look at some of the countries in there. I know you've got some some interesting thoughts around around Georgia with your producer's hat on. Well, I think you know there's a couple of interesting artists there, aren't there, that have been revealed. Um, brunette for Armenia, um, and then this girl Iru Kechenovi for for Georgia. If that's how you pronounce it. They both look capable, but you know they they need to find them good songs, don't they? But um, yeah, good for Georgia, potentially, second half, um, having failed to qualify, I think, five times in a row now, isn't it? So you've got to be hopeful uh, for Georgia this year. Um, I, I think uh, I think Iru is uh, is ta- very talented, 
life. Um, I don't I don't know what they're going to give her. It's going to be interesting. I think they said they, they're going to try and tailor something specifically for her. Um, seeing her on the, the uh, Georgian version of The Voice. Yep. She seems quite versatile. You know, she can do up-tempo and kind of more ballady stuff. Yeah, I think I read yesterday that there's rumours that she's going to be working with the person who's been doing a lot of the songs for Georgia in junior Eurovision, where they've been doing pretty well. Um, so I think, yeah, the, Georgia's probably got probably got a lot of potential here and potentially they could end up with the one of the best results in a long time. I think you've got you've got Slovenia there as well. They've selected a pretty popular popular uh, performer from their national scene with Joker out. But yeah, as well, you've got you've got some heavy televote uh, countries in there. You've got Lithuania, who tend to get a lot of diaspora votes. Same with Poland. You've got Greece and Cyprus in the same semi-finals. So that's a, a guaranteed twelve point leg up for both of them over the competition. Armenia as well. But then you've got Iceland. I haven't listened to the. There's some national final songs, but potentially they they might struggle. Denmark as well don't usually have a lot of a lot of televote support. They're both in the first half. And we've got Austria as well with that Edgar Allan Poe song, which is going to be quite interesting. Do you have any thoughts on the kind of outright market at the moment? Is there any any countries that are, are catching your eye at, at big odds right now? Um, well, liquidity is, is a bit of an issue. Um, you know, you're always struggling, I, I find now to, you know, get matched at the big odds that you used to be able to do back in the day. Um, market's a bit more savvy. I'm looking at, you know, some nations probably trading unrealistically short, uh, that I would be considered laying. Um, I would include Spain in that even around 30. But who's you know who's to say they're not going to go mad for the winner tomorrow night and it might end up trading sixteen? You know, you see some strange, strange things happening on on the outright and a lot of fan driven, um, you know, gambles. I suppose it's sort of a bit after the horse has bolted. But I was I was keen on Vesna when you know when I heard it on I heard it on Monday morning. I think it. it uh, turned up Sunday night um, and I was happy to grab sort of 50 to 1 each way Czech Republic Vesna um, then we saw it live for the first time I wouldn't be criticising it too heavily based on that because you know we see it time and again these are really bad sound stages um, it could be transformed in Liverpool on the big stage Um I think the the lead singer is is good. Um, I don't particularly like the rap section in the song, but I think the chorus is tremendous. And you know, if if it's a big if, if they can pull it all together, um, you know, on the big stage in Liverpool, I, I think it could do well. Yeah, I, th- I think that one. That's the kind of big issue with that is that, that it sounds like a Ukrainian entry. Um, and I think if this was Ukraine's entry, Ukraine would be very, very short on the outright. But I mean, the the fact remains, it's not a Ukrainian entry. And to what extent are televoters going to look at that and be like, hmm, why why is Czech Republic sent that? Will that it will that immediately connect with audiences, or will it perhaps look like are people going to think that that's Czech Republic trying to trying to cash in on the kind of the Ukraine situation? Again, that's not that's not my own perspective. I'm just saying, is is that what what televoters are going to think? But yeah, I'm like you. I've been looking at I've been looking at some of the countries that are probably too short at the moment. I think I think Finland available in, in single figures in 
certain places like Cha 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 is a really interesting song. I think it could do very, very well in the televote, but in terms of jury appeal, I struggle to see how this would end up getting over the line to actually go on to win, to win the contest. So I've, I've been linking that a little bit and actually once, once that goes on to win the, the national final, as is expected, it, it could, it could go shorter. Just looking down the line, I mean, Israel at 26, is that, is that a terrible bet? I mean, they've won, uh... they've won what? Twice, twice in the last twenty-five years. So, I mean, just looking at the kind of the fundamentals, you probably want to put them up around fourteen or something. Um, yeah, yeah. She looks, she looks talented. Noah Carell. Um, and of course, it's the it's the writing team, isn't it, that were behind Toy and Golden Boy. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I think it's going to be up tempo. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably about right. I mean, I thought thirty plus Israel. I was, yeah, you know, I was getting involved. Um, you know, there's there's so many, and you you just, you know, you need you need the the good song to turn up ultimately. So it's always on a knife edge. Um, but yeah, at least we know she's she's talented. You know, she can yeah. she can bring it potentially. UK, any thoughts on the UK and the the rumored rumored entrance like it seems like we get a new a new rumor every day well yeah there doesn't seem to be any concrete information out there at the moment i did see ellie goulding's name mentioned yep. in dispatches um i don't think she's all that great live actually if it does end up yeah, being her. I agree. um <laughs> sam rider for me i don't know i, I still feel that's more likely a bit of a one-off last year i wouldn't have faith in the UK, um, you know, finding another contender, you know, I'd sort of uh, put it in the same bracket as Spain. Actually, obviously, did well last year. That was a bit of a one-off for me. But you never know. You never know. The BBC might want to might want to win on home soil and try and get something very very good. But I think even even if the UK gets a top ten, that's still a very respectable result given where we've been over the last over the last kind of 10, 15 years. So thanks, Rob, for joining me. Next time, we'll be joined by Dan from Telestats, who will be here to give us an extra perspective. See you next time, and thanks for listening.